We're on the other side of 100 now. We're going to get started on the next century of the Indie Bar Report podcast coming up next. All right, we are back again. Episode 101. This is Indie Ball 101, which really, if I was smarter, then we could have planned this whole show out to be like the basics of Indie Ball and explaining the basics of independent league baseball, because when else am I going to get the opportunity to be essentially having a 101st or 100th level uh, Indie Ball episode? By the way, I'm yeah, Nick. He's Will. Sense. Yeah, it would have worked out really well, too, especially because this week is awfully late on news. Although, there's not much complaining we can do, because, I mean, last week we had, like, a tsunami of news. So, you know, you take and you get. We could probably talk about the uh, MILB, uh, not MILB anymore, the Major League Baseball Development Program uh, announcement that came out just before we started recording. I assume that Gastonia will announce their uh, manager about, oh, 15 minutes after we get done recording. So, that'll be fun, too. Yeah, then we got some Milwaukee talk, and the American Association released their schedule. So we got a, a bit of a variety, I guess, but nothing uh, too pressing this week. You see, Nick, I'm kind. I was kind of confused when you started talking to me about what we we're gonna do for the show this week because I assumed once we hit a number like 100, like it would just be the end of the show. I didn't know we were actually gonna go on the other side of 100. Like that, that's not something I signed up for. Uh, well, see you. You signed up for a hundred episodes. You're not. You're hundred yet. Exactly. You still got. Well, when's my When's my contract negotiations for an extension? This is like Major League Baseball. I just kind of hold your rights until you get past your prime. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough then. As long as we're on the same page, that that, that works for me. Yeah, unless you want to just go full UNSS, but it's and just kind of go rogue. And just kind of be like, nah. Just let, in, in fact, if I just hang up in the middle of a call and then just like don't answer anything for like six hours, I mean, that's an option too. Not a good option, but it's 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 out there. I know. Then I have to start driving around frantically looking for ranches that you may or may not be on to fight that's off wild point. boar. I think we've talked enough about all of this. I think we should get into indie ball. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think that's probably a good idea. Well, I guess we could kind of start by talking about the uh, MILB, or not MILB, anymore, the Major League Development Pipeline, whatever the hell they're calling the minor leagues now. We could just kind of cover that fairly briefly before we get into the uh, other two things here. I don't really have any notes on it because, I mean, it literally came out like an hour before we started recording. So I'm going to kind of give way uh, to you, Will, on this one to kind of take the lead on it because I, uh, as far as I know, they just announced kind of like, all the affiliations officially, and then the league setups. Yeah, so that that was really the main thing to come out of this. It was uh, all the PDLs have been signed, so hopefully that means we could get some. We could start seeing some things start to move on the Atlantic League front. I think that is that that's the main the main takeaway from this. But also a couple surprises. Uh, the new high aim in Atlantic league that includes uh, Lakewood, I guess now Jersey shore, uh, Brooklyn, Hudson Valley, uh, those teams there that, that was not a 16 league as originally, as originally thought it was going to be. That's a, it's a bigger, like a 12 or 10 or 12 team league. And the other thing that's a very big change is uh, well, actually the names of the teams, it's not like, which I don't love because I like the tradition of the International League and the uh, Pacific Coast League and uh, the Eastern League, the the Texas League, stuff like that. Now it's basically like AAA East, AAA West, uh, AA Northeast, AA South, stuff like that. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, but the other big change was that um, basically in AAA East and AAA West – there are 20 teams in that AAA East League, which is formerly the International League, mm. and there's only 10 teams out in uh, out uh, in the AAA West League, which is the the Pacific Coast League. Sugarland is in the um, Sugarland, obviously, is in in the West, and uh, Saint Paul is in the East. So a 20 team uh, was definitely surprising to me. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how they schedule that. I will yeah. say. It would be at least because I mean Lehigh Valley is not too far from me. If I got to see 
the St. Paul Saints come to Lehigh Valley. I mean, I know they're not indie ball, but just because, uh, just know, so, yeah, the history I, I, I of it. Say, hey, I saw the St. Paul Saints play in Pennsylvania. So that's a uh, weird thing to say. Was that? It's that's a weird thing to say. Just to hear that out loud. Such a weird thing to say. I know. So. Uh, you know, that, that's, that, that was kind of my big takeaway from it. And hopefully since everything is super, super official now, you might see start things start to move on the, on the Atlantic league front. You would think now that, I mean, the teams that aren't in it obviously are not in it. Not that we didn't know that was already going to happen. Just now there's, they're contractually. Yeah. Everything's uh, all signed now. It's all official. Exactly. Yeah, like it is a bit disappointing too, because for a second I was holding out hope that St. Paul would play Sugarland, and then it'd kind of be like, a, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like if I just close my eyes and pretend hard enough, it's like an independent league game, kind of. Uh, which obviously, uh, I don't think that's going to be the case now, but maybe, maybe it could wind up working out in some sort of championship game or something like that. I, like I said, I did no research into this whatsoever. Yeah, no, so. they, they can they they do have a triple A AAA championship game, so. Yeah, so I'm, they have one champion from each league, so maybe that happens. We'll I mean, see. I'm going to root for that to happen every year. Why wouldn't I? I want the uh, former independents to do well. Why not? You know? Uh, but that said here, yeah, I kind of expect now to actually see the ball moving here. I thought it was going to be February 8th because that was the date that we kept hearing for such a long time. Like, oh, this is going to be the date. This is going to be the date. This is going to be the day. And then it kind of came and went and nothing of substance really came outside of the the one schedule for the American Association. But that's not really what we were expecting to be that day. So hopefully now it can. Like, I don't want to say, oh, it's going to be next week because then if it's not next week, then it's just going to kind of be like, OK, well, it's going to be the week after that or the week yeah. after that. And I don't want to keep doing that because, I mean, like, let's be honest here. None of us have a concrete date, but I do kind of expect within, like, the next 14 days to kind of see something here. And if not, then, I mean, now we're into March and uh, you kind of need a slate here at teams sooner than later, you know. Uh, so I, I really do kind of expect to see something come within, like, the next 10 to 14 days, really. And, I mean, we kind of already know, like we talked about last week, it's probably going to be Charleston, West Virginia, and Lexington, Kentucky that get added in to the Atlantic League. I supposedly, on a Zoom call, when they were announcing uh, Tri-City into the Frontier League, Bill Lee said that they were done with uh, expansion for now. I don't know all too much about that. I heard it from uh, a person or two about that. Like, I was invited to the Zoom call, but I missed it. I had something else I had to take care of at that time. But I would have thought that would have been, like, some sort of major news that people would have been, like, really reporting on to say, oh, we're done expanding now. That's kind of a big thing here. But supposedly that's the case there. And obviously the American Association's kind of done now, too. So it's really yeah. more or less waiting on the Atlantic League to finalize their slate and then get the schedules out for the two leagues that are still kind of missing a schedule among the kind of big three of the yeah. I guess partnership league baseball now but I'm, they're still going to get referred to as independent leagues it's just you know at this point what it is I, it, it'll be great it'll be great when that happens and hopefully it's soon because I'm so tired of waiting luckily I have player signings and, and such to keep me busy for now I mean, just just thinking about it taking so long. I mean, I'm just ready. I'm just ready to see who who the managers are. I mean, with our luck, Gastonia is going to be releasing uh, their manager name at five o'clock, and, and 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 so we'll 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 see what happens. But I think that it, this has got to happen soon for Lexington and uh, for Lexington and West Virginia to hopefully get in, get coaching staffs, and start getting players uh get start getting players on the roster so hopefully that happens soon and um and we can start really finalizing stuff and when that happens you never know if something happens with this show yeah i mean like obviously we're going to uh we're going to talk about it when it comes about and hopefully once everything gets finalized we can uh get the get everything finalized guest wise and get some big name guests and whatnot on and obviously then we could finally announce what we've been teasing here i mean at this point it's pretty obvious what we're teasing but it, i don't want to announce it officially until you know it's official so yeah you, you can you can read between the lines hopefully but you know it, it would be a uh, a big a big big deal yeah, it certainly would be so uh 
With that, I guess we can go into, go into the directly related to independent league news, which is the American Association schedule. So, the American Association released their schedule February 8th, like I had said. We know there will be... <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, we know there will be 11 full members, one traveling team. That is the Houston Apollo. So we were right on that one. A uh, hundred game slate. That means two home and road series against teams in your division. One home and road series against everybody else. There's going to be extra home games because of the Apollos. Seeing as, you know, traveling team, you need to make up the, uh, the home date somewhere as you can't travel to Houston. There's not going to be an all-star game this year because of the COVID. Makes a lot of sense. Didn't expect there to be one. And the top two teams in each division will make the postseason. Divisional structure looks as follows. In the north, it will be made up by Chicago, Fargo-Moorhead, Gary, the new addition in Kane County, Milwaukee, and Winnipeg. Fun fact, Winnipeg is playing at home this year. If you want to look into the COVID readiness plan, uh, you can just check it out in the show notes. It's pretty standard, pretty run-of-the-mill uh Think what you saw in like St. Paul last year and a lot of those COVID plans. It borrows a lot from that. At this point in time, though, I don't put too much stock in any plan coming out just because the situation is extremely fluid. It could get better, it could get worse, and then you got to adapt to it at that time. But it's pretty much what we've been used to for uh, live events. If you've been able to go to them, it's pretty much that. It minimizes contact among people and also it reduces seating, you know, one-way lanes in the concourse and whatnot, prop open doors and whatnot, that kind of a thing. It's nothing that special. Uh, as far as the South Division in the American Association, it's made up by, I believe it's pronounced Cleburne, uh, the Houston Apollos traveling team, Kansas City Monarchs, Lincoln Salt Dogs, Sioux City Explorers, and the Sioux Falls Canaries. That is your 11 team plus one league for the American Association uh, this year. Uh, thoughts on the schedule, thoughts on everything we got from the press release that we didn't get, but we were working on getting. So I, I think the, the big takeaway here is that Winnipeg is fully intent on playing at home. And, you know, that could change. We've seen in so many, in so many aspects of professional sports that, I mean, Canada has been really, really strict on, on sports teams and who can come in and who can come out. The only reason that the, uh, that, all the Canadian hockey teams can play this year is because they're not leaving Canada. And that's why all these, like the, they're only playing within their own division and, and, and this, this whole wacky NHL season we have on our hands. But it, I, I tell you, Nick, it's been, it's been a lot of fun so far. Not as much no. fun when your team's going to miss three weeks with COVID, but, uh, uh, but when they do play, it, it, it has been, uh, it has been fun in that aspect, but more to the point, I, it's great that Winnipeg um, plans on playing at home this year. You really hope if uh, if you get to April first, like uh, like Dr. Fauci said, I believe on an on an interview, uh, I believe with NBC a, a day or two ago that he said that he he expects by April first to have vaccines available to everyone, or as he called them, open season. You go to your you go to your pharmacy and and you you get you get the shot. And if that's the case, you're hoping by, I believe, uh, American Association, American Association opening day being May 18th, if I'm yep. not mistaken, you'd hope as many as people as possible get vaccinated within a month and a half. And then you hope Canada, um, relaxes, uh, relaxes restrictions a little bit, lets people, at least sports teams for that matter, come in and out of the country. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some tight regulations regarding that as well, but. But that's that's certainly good news. Um, and then, you know, with uh, the traveling team, I guess the, I guess the one question I, I would have is, I mean, I, I obviously know I'm familiar from an Atlantic League perspective of how the Road Warriors would work. But for a team that like the Houston Apollos, like, is it literally a Pecos League team that's already kind of set, or is it run exactly like a Road Warriors team where they're just Um, recruiting anybody? To my knowledge, I'd seen them kind of having an open casting for players, an open trio. I saw that getting posted around a little bit. Uh, Traditionally, though, from at least my knowledge, is they just kind of snatch and grab one Pecos League team and slap them in there, and that's how it kind of operates. I think they're going to kind of keep it to the same Pecos League standard. Uh, for whatever that's worth. Obviously, yeah. if you have better players come along, 
and they make the team and they want to play for you, then I'd assume that they would take them. I mean, there's no reason not to. Uh, but my, to my knowledge, it's just going to kind of be a Pecos League team that's playing up a year as a traveling team. And I mean, the obvious benefit to that is if you're on that Houston team, then you're playing against higher quality opponents in better conditions right. than you would otherwise be playing in. And so that yeah. could definitely help you. I mean, obviously, no one expects this team to do well. I think we all kind of expect them to finish last in the South Division uh, this year, probably last in the league as a whole. So you're not really expected to win if you win is kind of a surprise. But if you manage to say that 250, 260, maybe you put yourself in a good position at the end of the year to get a contract in the Frontier League or in the Pioneer League or somewhere else. If you're a pitcher yeah. and you only have like an ERA of say around four, perhaps you just set yourself up in like a USPBL or something like that. Uh, obviously too, if they're doing the same kind of like advanced metrics and advanced data and uh, analytics and whatnot, kind of like the Atlantic League did as part of the partnership here, which I think is part of it if that's yeah, I believe so. okay yeah so then these guys are going to have that data available to them as well which will certainly help them a lot too so there is a benefit to it i mean they're going to be essentially a pecos team that's on the road and i mean if you're a pecos league player being on the road is not something that's uh, unusual to you you're pretty accustomed to it mm -hmm. at this point i will say this much having a traveling team running during a pandemic is going to be very interesting to me we know Definitely. the american association did a great job last year with their COVID protocols they worked very well and i mean it's a lot easier when you kind of have these mini hub cities and only having six teams play and it's a lot easier to manage there but when you have a traveling team that's going to 11 other markets and, you know, it, it seems like it's going to be tough to, to manage that. I'm going to be interested to see how it works. I don't doubt that they're going to have a plan in place. And I don't doubt that's going to be, you know, secure. But it will be interesting to see how they manage to solve the issue. And, of course, like you said just a minute ago, if we get a huge vaccine rollout by April, it's going to make it a lot easier. I mean, like, if you figure the start of the season is going to have restrictions on it in every league, it's, there's just no way around that. But if it gets progressively better and we have more vaccines rolled out and they manage to make them more effective somehow, or if we just have better therapeutics or as we've kind of seen over the past year, warmer weather seems to, you know, drive down numbers because more people are outside, they're more spread out. And I mean, if you wear a mask and you go through proper protocol and everything like that, then you can really reduce personal risk and risk the other. So if we're able to get all of this running and everybody on the same page, you know, perhaps this becomes a non-issue and it's just a business as usual type scenario here. But uh, that is something that I will say is of interest here, certainly. Yeah, yeah it, it's definitely it's definitely not going to be easy. I, I'd, I'd go ahead and say that a traveling team during a pandemic is going to be incredibly, incredibly hard. I, I don't think there's any way around the fact that if you're going to play for this traveling team you got to be vaccinated and not yeah. not to mention and uh i think that hopefully if we're if what dr fauci said the other day was correct is that vaccines will be ready readily available uh by 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 april you'd have to think by opening day um you'd, you'd have to think by opening day that's that's what's going to happen uh and specifically especially for the traveling team i mean that that's that's a must i mean it's a must i wouldn't be surprised if they made it a a soft requirement because i don't think by law they can require them maybe they can i'm not sure but it's that that's going to be really interesting to see and and just touching on kind of how they like it's a big opportunity for these guys and not it is like the the conditions that i mean the hotels they'll be staying at are going to be a lot better than say like ones they would stay at in the Pecos league and stuff like that. And it, it's a really great opportunity for them because if you, if you perform with the road warriors, I mean, hell you could even get, you could even, you could even, let's say a starter pitches against Milwaukee and the Milwaukee manager is like, wow, I, I'm, I'm impressed with the way that guy pitched against us and boom. And, and then he's on Milwaukee next year. And then your career from a Pecos league guy to make the jump to the American association. And then you're in business. So I, I think it, it's a really big opportunity for them. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen it happen in the Atlantic league before. I think the best 
example is probably lefty reliever Luis Cruz, who mm. pitched for the Road Warriors, one of the, be- the better Road Warriors relievers in the 2018 season. Uh, and he came to Somerset and was terrific for them uh, during 2019. So I think it's a really uh, great opportunity for those guys. There will definitely be a younger team than, than the teams they're playing against. But it, it, it's it's a great opportunity for those guys, even though obviously uh, obviously it's a grind. But from players that I've talked to that were on the Road Warrior teams in the past, uh, in in like in 2018, and I'm like, well, that, that's got to be really tough, right? He's like, and they're like, dude, it's not living. There, there's worse things to, to be doing than sleeping in a comfy hotel bed, a hotel bedroom every single night and playing baseball yeah. during the day like that there's a lot worse things you could be doing and a lot worse setups there there could be so i i think i'm happy for those guys to get the opportunity and it'll be interesting to see because listen you, we, we talked about it more i believe in last week's episode that like traveling teams are only really a thing for one year you, you can't you, running a traveling team for two years isn't really going to help you too much. So it's going to be interesting to see what the American Association does to try and to, to try and fill that last slot to get back to 12 teams. I think King County is going to help a lot uh, to help replace the huge void St. Paul left. Uh, but, and so, and we'll see what happens. What, Nick, what, what I will ask you is, will the Houston Apollos have a better record in 2021 than the Texas Airhogs had in 2019? That's a tough question to answer. I uh, think they're pretty. I think they're pretty comparable, actually. Yeah, like it's the kind of thing where you you immediately want to go, oh well, Texas is going to have a better record. But then you start thinking, you're like, no, nah, they really. won like 25 games. That's not really like a that high of a bar. I mean, like it's, in a, it's an extremely low bar. I mean, like I think they could probably win 30 games. I think, like, yeah, so if you're if you're wondering that in 2019 the Texas Airhogs went 28 and 71. Okay, so really the bar here is will they get to 30 or not? Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the kind of thing where, like, if they played a 120 game season, I'd say absolutely, no doubt. But being it's a hundred game season, I'd say yeah. I think they could. I'd take the over. I'd say yeah, they have over 28 wins. Okay. Yeah, I take the well, over on it. There we go then. Uh, but yeah, no, and just to just to kind of circle back around as to a is really a good opportunity. We're gonna get to see a, a lot of things here, and we're gonna get to see where this twelfth team is gonna be. Cause like we'll point it out, uh, two teams of a, a or two years of a traveling team is just a not only is it a bad indicator of league health, at least from the outside looking in, regardless of whether or not it's true or not, it does kind of look bad if you're running out a traveling team for multiple years in a row it also just becomes a very awkward situation and a very awkward fit into a league it's it really is not ideal to even have it for one but you can manage it for one for two years not exactly no not so i'm gonna be interested to see what market they pick and if they're open and how everything works out there so uh yeah with that we can kind of progress now the last thing on the agenda today, which is kind of weird to have such a short week, which probably isn't actually going to be that short when everything gets edited down, but we do have some uh, some Milwaukee talk, and I say this because uh, really the decision came down between either doing a Milwaukee preview, because I know last year uh, we did a preview of one other team. I don't recall which team it was, but I was really envious of their offseason. I wanted to talk about it. I think it was Sussex County that we did, and I'm just looking at Milwaukee and Kansas City's off seasons here, and I wanted to discuss each from, but I want to kind of do one this week and one next week, and then maybe we could do this as a weekly thing as these rosters start to fill out, you know, break down these rosters one at a time as they're appeared, and then that also makes it a lot easier for league previews come May, seeing as they're going to be all on top of each other this year. Uh, but regardless of that, it was either going to be Milwaukee talk or it was going to be something that we forgot to do last week. Because normally the anniversary show, we kind of do a recap of the past year in independent league baseball. Obviously, we had a lot of stuff to do, so it kind of just fell by the wayside. And then uh, me and Will were talking about this off air as to whether or not we should do it this week or wait. And seeing as we still don't have schedules from the Atlantic League or the Frontier League and we don't have set teams and everything, it kind of makes it difficult to do a year in review and then the looking forward, like, okay, we lost these teams this year, but we're gaining these teams uh, going forward. So once all the schedules are out, all the leagues are solidified, and we know 
how 2021 is going to at least look from a league structure standpoint, then we'll do that recap here. But uh, instead, we decided now to talk about Milwaukee because they have a pretty well fleshed out roster as it stands today. Like they could walk into the season with this roster and I'd feel very confident in their odds of not only winning the North Division, but possibly repeating as American Association champions because this roster really really looks good i mean like it's a really stacked roster when you want to get down to it here so i guess i'll kind of just run through some of the names that are on the roster i won't go through the whole uh roster list if you want to see it that's linked in the show notes here but some nice uh names they added uh mikey reynolds obviously had a great year and st paul this past year brett vertigan's back adam brett walker's back uh they bring him back mason davis who didn't have the best of years but he's had success in the past in Kansas City. So he's certainly a guy that I'm kind of looking forward to to see if he can uh, mount a bounce back year a bit. I think we saw enough for that's certainly possible. <clears throat> uh, Miguel Gomez is another guy. He played with San Francisco, the Giants, uh, back in 2018. He hasn't really played much since. Although across the 116 games he played throughout the Giants system, majors, AAA and AA, I believe it was, he put up a good slash line. So I'm interested to see that there. Logan Hill, or I believe it's, no, my mistake, not Logan Hill. I confused him with Logan Trowbridge, who's also coming back, who had a decent little season too as a, as a third baseman. But I was thinking of Aaron Hill. He's also going to be back a couple of good years over in Lake Erie. Didn't really get too much playing time, only 36 games in 2020. Uh, and so he was never really able to get into a groove kind of have a bounce back season david washington's back we know that he did well too uh catcher wise a little bit of a turnover christian correa's back uh chris Connolly is back and then uh, manuel boscan comes in here he didn't play 2020 i believe it was some sort of issue with him getting into the country just because of the covid lockdowns and everything i think that was the issue i'm not 100 percent certain i think that was also the issue with gomez as well but boskem played very well in 2019 batted nearly 280 so i mean he turned and with about 10 home runs as well so he had a good season there in 94 games so if he's able to rejoin the team this year uh he probably steps into a starting role there and i think he has a nice little pop there uh pitcher wise there's too many to run through them all but some names of note nate hadley uh ty hensley Ryan Newell comes in, AJ Shugel's back, Miles Smith's back, Matt Salter comes in, David Holmberg comes back in, uh, Carl Kowalczyk is also back, Ryan Kuzmal's back. A lot of the guys from last year come right back to this team, and they really are a, a stacked team. Also, I believe it's Angel Ventura got dealt for himself over like a 48-hour period, which is like the most indie ball trade of all. Also, Ryan Zimmerman comes in, kind of a longtime saint too. He gets added to the mix here. So before I kind of run through how I'd structure a lineup and the kind of names to watch on the bullpen and how I'd structure a rotation here, I'm just kind of curious to know your thoughts on the general makeup of this Milwaukee roster to this point in the offseason. An awesome year last year um, and won the American Association Championship. That's pretty obvious. To me, obviously last year they were carried by their starting pitching. Um, and it looks like they're trying to, they're trying to almost repeat that same model. I mean, they're going to need, I, I think over a full season with a full league, I think they're going to need more on the offensive side of things. Um, I, I think you're going to need a better year from David Washington. He started to come on. He, he had his moments. Uh, I, I don't as as great as as Adam Brett Walker is. I don't I don't know if he's going to be slugging over 600 again uh, over a full season. So I, I, guess, I guess we'll see about that. But I really do like um, a lot of the additions they've made pitching wise. I like a lot of the the additions they've made in the bullpen. I really like the the signing of Matt Salter, the former former St. Paul Saint. They really did uh, a nice job going after these former St. Paul guys. Uh, which is which is never a bad thing at all, and 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 even one guy who I'm actually kind of really interested, uh, or wanted to go in depth a little bit uh, more than I guess the other guys, uh, Ty Hensley, who is the uh, New York Yankees first round pick in 2012 uh, out of high school. He came in really young. He had some he had some pretty solid minor league numbers, but his injuries absolutely killed him. Like completely destroyed his career he eventually took four years off between uh 2014 and 2018 re-emerged in the frontier league struggled a lot with control 
then went to the USPBL and um, with Utica and struggled in 2019 again, really struggled with the walks. Uh, and then last year in the, in the USPBL, uh, with Utica in, in 11 starts, he really turned it. He really turned it around and maybe something clicked with him. I, I'm not, I'm not sure, but in 11 starts, he had a 148 ERA, uh, and he only gave up four, he only gave up four hits per nine. Uh, and the walks went down from, from around six per nine in 2019 to down around three. Uh, he cut his walks in half. Uh, from 2019 to 2020, strikeouts were up. Uh, now up up to uh, 11.1 strikeouts per nine. That has always been there. Of course, he was drafted in the first round. You know what kind of stuff he was working with. So I'm really interested to see him because I think he obviously there's potential there, right? Yeah. He was a first round pick. Injuries completely ravaged him with the Yankee system, and you know with the Yankees. They don't have time to wait around, right? Yeah. Maybe with another organization, they'll give you time to figure it out. Uh, with a smaller market team, they'll give you time to figure it out. Not the Yankees, right? You, yeah. you got your chance. If, you, if you're starting to, to struggle a little bit, you, you know the fan base there will be paying attention, and the Yankees will just cut ties and move on. And so I'm really interested to see what he makes of this opportunity. Certainly it's a big step up in competition between the, the, the USBBL and uh and the American Association, there's no doubt about that. But I really think, even though 2020 is a little bit of a shortened year, it looks like maybe something clicked here. Uh, maybe something clicked with his control. Uh, and, and I don't really know what to expect with him from Milwaukee, but I think he'll be a fascinating story to watch. Certainly not the safest bet to be uh, to, to be one of Milwaukee's better pitchers, but I think I think his ceiling for next year is something that as his ceiling is certainly really high for for Milwaukee next year, and just based on how they're building a roster, you have a lot of guys who specifically on the pitching end of things, you have a lot of veterans, you have a lot of guys who've been there before, and you kind of know what they are. Like, you know what David Holmberg is going to give you. You know what Matt Salter is going to give you. You don't really and, and which. And it's not a bad thing to take a home run swing on a guy like Ty Hensley. Yeah. And and so that that's the thing. I, I, I really like the signing, um, even though he hasn't pitched uh, in, in a level. He hasn't pitched against competition, even in the minors, that is as good as what he's going to see in the American Association. But I'm really interested to see uh, what he can turn into. And I tell you what. If he's if he's if he puts together a good first half of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if an MLB team comes knocking. Yeah, no, he has certainly a lot of potential here, just with the pedigree alone. And like you said, he seems to have rounded a corner at least last year. So if he's able to prove himself against these kind of older players, more experienced players, presumably more developed guys, that you have to assume. He's worth at least a shot, especially with some of the smaller market teams that may be looking for kind of an under-the-radar kind of steal, if you would. And I kind of had Hensley slotted in as like a 3-4 type uh, guy in the rotation. I had, obviously, Holmberg kind of being my number one guy in the rotation. After what he did last year, we know what kind of a pitcher he is. He certainly has to at least enter the year as the number one guy in that rotation. For sure. Yeah. Barring some sort of like miracle pickup, like, I don't know, like they signed David Kubiak or something, which at that point, then they're just trying to become like Somerset West. But, and they're just trying to tease everybody with how good their pitching staff is. I mean, dear God, just imagine if you add him into there. It would be. I mean, they shouldn't even play the season at that point. I mean, then it, can, can we just skip to the postseason where we see Kansas City play Milwaukee? Can we just skip to that point? Oh yeah, no, that's that's. I, th- I, th- I think I think we're in agreement of what the uh, American Association uh, Championship Series is going to be, and we'll, we'll obviously we'll we'll have a time to go in depth with Kansas City, but they are they're looking really good and they're really exciting. Yeah, yeah no, they 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 certainly got a lot of. Uh, excitement heading into the season with them too but uh and and a Mets legend on there wait which I as soon as you say I'm gonna be like oh yeah him I know they just signed Christian Cologne no come on Mets legend uh Nick this isn't good I know it isn't good because like and I've been following him fairly close here so I'm oh wait we're not talking about Ty Kelly are we Yes, we're talking about Ty we're Kelly. Ty, Ty, Ty. <laughs> Ty Kelly. 
But like, legitimately, though, Ty Kelly's gonna rake in this league, dude. He he's he's gonna be like the like the the best like clubhouse guy, and he's 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 I, probably gonna rake. Yeah, but I genuinely want to get Ty Kelly on the show, and I think he would do it too. Dude, you should make you should, we should try to make that happen. That would be that would Ty be Kelly. an electric forty five minute interview. <laughs> Just bring him off. Just talk. So, how was it playing in in New York until you got DFA'd? Well, I mean, he. Well, one thing is, he was always hilarious yeah. on Twitter about like talking shit about himself, yeah. which I always found very funny. Oh, uh, like honestly, like I'm gonna try. You know, we're gonna try and get him on at some point now. <laughs> that would that would be that would be amazing. <laughs> hey, look, and then we and then we could talk and then we could talk about the uh, the Ash and the Jackpot video. Oh, with them. That you know, now I'm really going to try for this too. Plus, then when, <laughs> he, when we get him on the show, I'll have to ask him. I just want to know: Does our use of profanity at all weigh into your decision to come on? Did that give you pause? I just want to know yeah. for myself. I mean, if so, I mean, then then I think if Ty if Ty Kelly says we got to adjust I mean, it, then if Ty then Kelly you just got you like, just got to let it, you just got to agree. I mean, at that point, then we just have to admit facts are facts, but. I'm not ready to admit that yet, but uh, and anywho, uh, to circle back around as to talking about the whole Milwaukee rotation here, you go Holmberg to like say Soltar, to Kuzma, yeah. to Hensley, to then Ventura or Zimmerman. I mean, like that's a that's a pretty good rotation here. I mean, Ventura, I'll grant you didn't have exactly a great year last year, uh, five forty five ERA. And I believe it was about 33 innings pitched. He had some injury issues. So, I mean, not the best year there, but he was very good in 2019. So I, there does seem to be a sign that he does exist. He is a good pitcher. It's just a matter of finding his groove. And I mean, it was a short season. So if you're not finding your groove fairly early on, it's hard to, you know, hit your stride. And I mean, like that, that I'm willing to give some ground on there. But overall, I mean, you're looking at the potential to have four really solid starters with three almost guaranteed guys where you can reliably trust them to go out there and keep you in games and if not steal a game for you. And then I look at the like the, the whole bullpen here and there's some guys here that are interesting that are new and that have been here around like Matthews is interesting. Uh, Kowalchuk's interesting as well. Um, Hartman's always an interesting guy. Ahern's an interesting guy. Burrard's a bit interesting guy, although his stat line and his stats, at least on baseball reference, are, are very small sample size, so I can't really say much on that. But Nate Hadley's a guy where I think he, he looks like he has some potential. He was obviously a Power 5 conference guy. He's only been, I think, rookie ball and low A ball, so hasn't really faced yeah. the same level of competition, so that adjustment could be something there. But his numbers at that level are very good. And so I'm interested to see how he makes that adjustment. And I think being on a team that has such a deep pitching core, especially on that bullpen side, it does give you a little bit of cushion to work him in. And obviously, independent ball, you're pitching to win. But at the same time, having a running a dude out there that you have, you know, some expectation for just to get his confidence blown up doesn't help the team to then have to cut bait on him. I think if they work them in and they use them in the correct roles and, you know, generally get to see what he has and then work them into higher leverage situations, you could really see him be a nice surprise for them. Also, I mean, you brought back AJ Shugel and Miles Smith as your seven and eight guys. That's always going to help here. And it's hard to cap and do better than what Peyton Gray did last year. I mean, he gave up, what, three earned runs across the whole season and postseason. I mean, an ERA of zero yeah. in the regular season, that, that you can't really ask for any better because you can't do much better than yeah, like. Well, you can't do better, period. Well, no, if he didn't walk anybody, technically he could, but I mean, still. That's true. I mean, like what, nine base runners the whole damn regular season? It was a pretty, it was a pretty uh, hilariously good season. I'll word it like that. Yeah, like it, you won't see it again, that kind of a thing. So to replace him with for Ryan sure. Newell. That's a pretty good move. I mean, like, you can't expect Newell to have an ERA of zero through 60 games, but you can expect him to have an ERA around, like, one, one and a half through 60 games. He was very, very good in Sussex County. I'm sure uh, the Sussex fans will back me up on that, saying that he was Mm -hmm. very, very key on a lot of their deeper postseason runs. And moreover, he's just, he's got good stuff. 
I mean, he was in the, he was with the Rays for a little bit, then they caught him, I think, partly due to the pandemic. I know he pitched like a game or two in the, in the Sugarland circuit there, and then, uh, you know. Yeah. It, it, it no, I, I think Ryan Newell's a good point because, I mean, you mentioned how nasty he was in Suffolk County, and talk about his stuff. I mean, he struck out 15 for nine. He struck out 60 guys in 36 innings in Sussex County so as, as their closer. So, I mean, talk about, uh, t- talk about a, a great guy to throw in there. And not to mention, you're not, you're not completely relying on him being your closer because you have guys like Smith and you guys, and you have guys like Shubel. It really helps take the pressure off. And, uh, I mean, you look at what he did in the Sugarland League last year, 129 ERA in, in seven innings there. Um, and he just, he just showed, so many good things. I, I don't even know why he was cut, uh, let go by the Marlins after a great season that let him get to Sussex County in the first place. But I mean, the Milwaukee bullpen is just completely stacked once again. It was it was last year. It is this year. It, it just seems like it, it just seems like they really know how to how to build. It seems like Anthony Barone really knows how to how to win in, in indie ball, and that's specifically on the pitching side. You need you need depth pitching wise because guys are, guys especially pitchers are going to come and go uh, especially if you have these um, advanced analytics where teams can view spin rates and stuff like that those guys are going to be picked up pretty quick so you, you got to have depth with they which they certainly do and they have depth in the starting rotation you have guys that can, you have more, more than five guys that can start and you have plenty of guys plenty of quality relievers that if you lose a guy. To affiliated baseball, you, you got they don't miss a beat, and I think that's what you see with this Milwaukee team. Yeah, hundred percent. And even like I do want to touch on the batting a little bit, which is admittedly a weaker point here. A guy like Tony sure. Rosselli, he had a good year in Chicago. Uh, he could or not this past year, he got cut fairly early on, but the year prior, he was not a bad player. So perhaps he could bounce back. Same thing with Mason Davis in Kansas City. He looked good in the previous two years with Kansas City. That's a bounce back potential there. I mean, obviously expecting uh, Brett Walker to do what he did uh, in 2020 again, maybe a little unrealistic, but he's always been a kind of a power guy. If he can bat again in the high 260s, mid 260s, and give you, say, 25 home runs, 30 home runs, that's a productive player right there. He's still a very useful guy. Manuel Boscan, again, another guy here where in his last uh, full season in Milwaukee, he slugged about 425. He had a batting average of around 277. So not a bad player there. Nine home runs, so a little bit of a pop there. So in a season where they weren't very good in that 2019 season, I mean, we, that was very not good. He was a productive player there, one of the better players there. David Washington and Miguel Gomez have major league experience, so you can expect a little bit more out of them. And even Brett Vertigan, who's back, a very solid defensive player, batted in around 300 for them this past year, which I didn't even really realize until I started doing like a stat dive there. I mean, 293 is not a bad batting average by any stretch. And especially with the defense he provides. I mean, that's, exactly. I mean that, that's the complete package. Exactly. So, I mean, you put him in that lineup too. I mean, there's, there's a real potential here to have, say, six or seven guys that could really produce for you. Now, obviously, they all will not turn out in best-case scenario here, more exactly, than likely, yeah. but even if you can get four guys that you can rely on to provide offense consistently, that's still very good. And you can't... Like, the way this roster is constructed, it looks very good, and I just wanted to take some time to really point that out and appreciate it. I know we're only in mid-February now, so there's still, obviously, what, three months until, you know, first pitch here, so a lot's going to change. But still, at this point, it really is a well-constructed roster, and I'm looking forward to talking about Kansas City next because they are, in my mind, on equal footing as well. And I'm looking forward to the first series between all these teams. And one thing I forgot to mention during the schedule segment that could be important later on, a team like Claiborne, or Cleburne, they have, I believe, they're the last ones to have the four-game set against the Apollos. And Kansas City also has a late set against them. So that's something that's interesting to watch some of these teams, particularly like a Cleburne, because you assume Milwaukee and Kansas City have the first top spots locked up. So there's one spot left for everybody else on each division here. 
having that yeah. kind of traveling team late could definitely be a thing that pushes you over the finish line towards the end if it comes down to that close. Absolutely. I think I think that's something you could definitely see. Uh, that's something you could definitely see down the stretch. And the one thing the one thing I just want to add, at least from the offensive side of Milwaukee, I think uh, first of all, I just want to mention Adam mm-hmm. Brett Walker, the cover athlete of independent baseball twenty one. Terrific, uh, a, a terrific design made by um, the man himself, Nick Firestone. So I, that that was gaining a lot of traction on yeah, Twitter. I appreciate so appreciate that. Yeah, uh, that was a that was a home run tweet. It was like a Brett Walker home run tweet. You know, it was, yep, just did well. Exactly, uh, and I, I would be. I tell you, Nick, we we've gone over the Milwaukee lineup. I would be surprised if it's a. Uh, I, I think it's still far from a finished product at this time because. Listen, you're going to have guys who are reporting to spring training and like get MLB teams are bringing in 75, um, are bringing in, um, up to 75 players to spring training. And just from, from a math perspective, because they're, they're only doing MLB and AAA to start the season, there's going to be some guys, probably more position players than probably more on the position player side that are going to be cut. Uh, I think that. Um, I think that Milwaukee is certainly going to be in that market. When you see guys start to, when you see position players, probably more veteran position players start to get released. And I don't think because of, because of the pandemic, among other things, I don't think there's going to be as much of a market among other MLB teams to, uh, to really sign those guys to minor league deals. So they're going to be looking to indie ball. And I think, I think uh, Milwaukee should be all over that. So I would be surprised if um, the lineup looks similar as to what we're talking about today by opening day, I, I think I would expect them to add. I would multiple. I'll just say multiple because it's hard to put a number on it. Uh, I would expect them to add a good number of guys who do get released from from major league slash triple A spring training. Probably more on the triple A side, but I, I would I would I would expect to see that from Milwaukee. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. And I do want to point out, too, they also had Chris Chinea before his contract got selected by the Marlins, too. So it's not like they're not going out and adding everybody under the sun. They certainly will. And once those kind of double-A and possibly some triple-A talent becomes available, they they certainly make a compelling case to be uh, to be signed and to sign in Milwaukee. So, Yep, absolutely. Yep. So uh, with that, we're kind of at the end of the line here. Uh, we have about a 20-minute uh post-credit segment that i'm probably gonna have to edit down because 20 minutes in the post-credit seems a bit long like i'd like to give it around five so we're gonna have to do some some hacking and slashing on that or just split it up between a couple of weeks so it's probably gonna wind up being like a 45 minute show or something like that which i think is pretty good you know lengthwise but yeah i think so but uh with that said we can kind of go to the plug say anything else we need to say and then uh, move on with the rest of the day here so if you want to uh follow the show on social media you could do so on instagram at aopv underscore news or at indie ball report if you want to follow us on twitter and see that those cool uh tweets and uh the the design thing will mention that i did the independent baseball 21 thing be sure to look up at Indie Ball Pod on Twitter, and you can take a look at that. And uh, so we retweet a lot of interesting articles and other stuff. So follow up there. It helps the show, I guess. Do that. I don't even really know where I'm going with those plugs. So just go to the links. Go to the links. Do that. If you want to follow the show on uh, the website to find the show notes, to find all the episodes, to find the links to everything we discussed today, as well as some other content as well, you can go to IndieBallReport.com. Everything's located there. And if you just want to follow on the podcatcher or to follow the show, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of thing, you can do so wherever you find podcasts. I'd be wary of doing Spotify, though, because they kind of messed this up this week. They only had 45 minutes of a 90-minute show which would be episode 100 this past week. I'm still trying to straighten that out. I don't think it's been entirely solved yet. So uh, beware of that. Try to use like Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, the official Podomatic source too. All of those work very well. I believe everywhere except for Spotify was fine. Spotify did have an issue. So be a little bit wary of that. You may want to use another uh, podcatcher outside of them. Or, you know, if you follow the social media, we'll let you know if something went wrong there and then we try to fix it and you know how that works. So um, with that said, I don't got any other plugs. So uh, got anything else left to add? Um, college baseball starts next Friday. 
and uh, I'm, I'm very excited. That's the only thing I really have to add. Right. So I got two things here. They're both going to be fairly quick. Uh, the first thing is apparently last week we were pronouncing uh, Hagerstown wrong. It's pronounced Hagerstown, not Haggardstown. Uh, it's kind of like Sammy Hagar. Uh, I The funny thing is I knew that too. And for some reason I just kept calling it Haggardstown. So uh, we're going to have to try and if they do in fact join the Atlantic League, we'll have to make a mental note of pronouncing that correctly. And apparently there's two different pronunciations of Lancaster. We talked about this off air, and so I do want to address this here because we, I want to make it clear that I did in fact see the the comment. Um, apparently it's pronounced Lancaster or Lancaster for Lancaster. locals. Yeah, that's a local pronunciation, and the rest of the world pronounces it Lancaster because that's how it looks like. So I'm gonna handle this one with tact and go. I'll try to pronounce it like the locals because I think the locals want to pronounce that way. But more often than not, I'm probably going to get it wrong. And it's not the kind of thing I'm going to circle back around on to pronounce correctly. But I will try to make an effort to pronounce it the local way. Although it does sound really kind of weird pronouncing it that way. At least in my opinion. Yeah. yeah I, I, I agree. It's, not, it's I understand it. But, um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's still, it's still weird to me. Yeah, and so then the only other thing I have left to add, and normally I would just leave it here, but uh, I do want to add it because if I don't, then this is going to be horribly out of date and I'll have to scrap the thing from the pile anyway. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Patrick Laine trade. It's been like two weeks now since it happened, but I do want to cover it quickly. A lot of people were slagging the trade, saying, oh, it's not fair. The Jets lost the trade or whatever. They didn't lose this trade. Roslovic was not going to sign. He made that very clear. So you got a third round pick from him. So that view them as two separate trades. Then Dubois for line A, that's pretty fair. A 60 point to 70 point center is about equal of a 90 point wing in my mind. Centers have a more difficult job. They play a more difficult position. They have to be a better two-way player than an offensive wing. It's about equal here. Line A gets you an extra, well, the same contract basically here. And uh, I am curious to see I was going to say, if I did this last week, how long before Line A gets benched by Torts, but we already have the answer to that question, about three or four games. Uh, apparently, he was talking back to a coach or something. I don't know. All I know is it just seems like Tortorella hates Europeans, or not Europeans, I should say, because he does have a handful that he really likes, but it seems like he doesn't like European scorers because they all seem to leave. Plus, if you ask Marion Gabrick, he does not have a positive opinion of John Tortorella. And it seems like Tortorella does not know how to manage young talent or highly offensive talent all too well. So uh, I could go into a whole torts rant, but I'm not going to do that because, well, uh, we went on long enough with off-topic things this week. And uh, I'm sure we got other things to do today. And I need to now refresh my pile of topics to discuss here because all I got left is a Pirates of the Caribbean script an alternative football league, and a Wonka rant. So we're going to need to refresh the pile uh, sooner than later. But uh, with that so with that said, nothing else left to add. We'll end this show as we do every show. And that is, don't forget to play ball.